Good morning, everybody. Well, I'd love to be back together again on a more regular Sunday. Feels like a long time since we had a regular Sunday, so uh, it's always good to change in routine, but it's, it feels good to get back into routine as well, doesn't it? Um, this year, we're doing things a little bit differently in terms of how we're organizing the, the speaking, so um, this year, I'll be doing a little bit less of traveling between the two congregations. I'm doing that this morning, so once I've finished speaking now, I'll be shooting off down the road to 502. But going to be doing a little bit less of that this year and a bit more of just preaching in one place and staying there for the whole service. So it means that I'll be preaching a little bit less overall, but I'll be a little bit more static week by week. So just so you're aware of that. Well, uh, this week seems to have gone incredibly quickly. I can't believe that it was last Monday that was New Year's Day. It feels like months ago already. There's been so much which has gone on, certainly in our family and it seems in church life. Everything's moved so quick. But we are just a few days into the new year. Uh, one of the things that we tend to end up doing in my household over the Christmas season, New Year season, is watching the World's Strongest Man competition. Anybody else watch that? It's been, been on for 40 years now, and there's something I always seem to end up watching it. And this, this, year's, this year's winner was Eddie Hall, who was the first, first British winner of World's Strongest Man in 23 years. Now, Eddie's a bit of a monster. He's six foot three tall. And he weighs 186 kilograms, which is about 29 stone in old money. And what he's most famous for is the world record deadlift, which is what he's doing here. Deadlift is it's basically the most simple lift you can do. It's just picking a bar up off the floor and standing up with it. It's ba- the most basic elemental test of strength. And Eddie Hall can deadlift 500 kgs, half a ton. An absolute monster of a man. And with... Eddie Hall and with World's Strongest Man, it's all about the numbers. It's all about what can be measured. There's lots of measure about Eddie, his massive height, his huge bulk, the unbelievable weight he can lift. And, you know, we, we measure stuff all the time. Every day we're measuring stuff. How much does it cost? How long will it take? How many roast potatoes did you eat on Christmas Day? We're measuring stuff. I was thinking this week, I've been everything, every day there's measuring, shifting stuff. Will it fit into the car? How much will this shopping bill come to? Uh, how long until I can do this? How long have I been working on that? We're, we're measuring stuff the whole time. It's, it's like we're, always, we're carrying around a tape measure, a mental tape measure the whole time, measuring, timing, counting. It's what we human beings do. And it's not only stuff that we measure, but it's also morally. We measure people's worth. How much am I worth? And how much is somebody else worth? How much is he worth? How much is she worth? We're kind of measuring the whole time. And and the question then is, well, what is our yardstick? What is our our measure? What tape measure? What yardstick are we using to measure the things that we measure? Of course, when it comes to actual weights and measures, distances, these things have to be very precise. The Convention of the Meter, held in Paris in 1875, established the International Bureau of Weights and Measures. And this is the international organization which determines what a kilogram is, what a meter is, what units are, and is very pernickety about them. They hold the one kilogram weight. It's in this... uh, vacuum-sealed 
jar. It's locked behind a, in a vault, and there are three separate keys separately held, which are required to open the vault, because this is an incredibly precious thing. It's a cylinder made of platinum iridium alloy, and it is the closest thing to a perfect kilogram that exists in the world. And all other kilogram weights, all other weights and measures in the world are measured off of that weight of almost perfection of what a kilogram should actually be. Now, accurate weights are hugely valuable. Now, we know that because when you're measuring, you want things to be measured right. So you go and fill up your car with petrol. If you're going to put 50 litres of petrol in, the price of petrol is, you want to make sure you get 50 litres and not 49. So it's really important that the International Bureau of Weights and Measures says this is what a litre is, this is what a kilogram is. When you go to the shops and you weigh your bananas, you don't want to pay any more for them than you're meant to because weights and measures matter. And they actually matter to God. This is an incredible scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 1. The Lord detests, the Lord hates dishonest scales. For accurate weights find favor with him. That's, a, that's an amazing verse. God hates, God detests dishonest scales. In some sense, it matters to God that there is a kilogram uh, platinum iridium alloy kilogram held in a vault somewhere in France because accurate measures matter to God. And so what is our yardstick? How are we going to measure life? How are we going to measure ourselves? In some way, our measure needs to be God himself, because it is God himself who is the ultimate measurer. He's the one who measures all things. He's the one who holds the really accurate weights and measures. More final than the most precise science, more absolute than anything the International Bureau of Weights and Measures alone can come up with. And the thing about God is that of all things in the universe, he alone cannot be measured. Everything else can be measured. Everything else can be counted, weighed, analyzed. God alone cannot be measured. If you grab a Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. It's on page 725. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Isaiah 40 now, and then we're going to come back and read more of it in a few minutes' time. Isaiah 40, verse 12. It's going to appear on the screen as well. It says this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Now, we human beings, we measure stuff all the time. How much, how long, how heavy. But God measures all things. He weighs the hills like dust, but is himself beyond measurements. We're measurable. We can measure Eddie Hall. We can measure his six foot three, 29 stone bulk. We can measure the fact that he can lift 500 kilograms. You can measure me. We can measure you. We can measure ourselves, but God himself is immeasurable. God is infinite. And that's the theme that we're going to be looking at this morning, that God is infinite. As Richard said, we're starting a new series called None Like Him. It's based on this little book called None Like Him by Jen Wilkin, uh, which looks at 10 ways in which God is different from us and why that's good news. 
Uh, we're also going to be using this book in our life groups. All the life group leaders have one of these books. You might want to get one yourself as well to follow along in, in our series. And we're going to be spending these 10 weeks thinking about the ways that God isn't like us. How very different from us that he is. And that is actually really, really good news. So let's pray and ask God to help us this morning as we think about him being infinite. Lord, I thank you so much we come to you today that you, the one who is immeasurable, beyond measure, you, the one who actually accurately measures all things, Lord, thank you that we can come to you, that by your grace there's an open welcome, an open invitation to us to run into your presence, to come into your arms, to know you at work amongst us. And Lord, I pray today as we think about what it means to worship an infinite God as finite creatures, that we might find joy and peace and hope and liberty in this. So would you speak to us, I pray, Lord God. Amen. Amen. You know, there are, there are ways in which um, I am like Eddie Hall, and there are ways in which I am unlike Eddie Hall. It's all matters of degree. He is much taller than me. He's twice as heavy as me, at least. And he can lift a lot more than I can lift. But it's actually only matters of degree because we're both still human beings. We're both still men. I can still pick stuff up at the floor. It's, it, there's not an absolute difference between me and Eddie Hall. It's a, it's a difference of degree, not of absolute difference. But with God, there are some ways in which also we can be like God. There are things which the Bible describes God as being, which you and I can also be like. But the Bible says that God is love. Now, we, as human beings, we know what love is, and we can act in love, and we can display love to one another. The Bible describes God as being just. God cares about justice. God cares about accurate measurements. Well, we can be just. We can distinguish right from wrong. We can exercise justice. We can care about justice. The Bible talks about God being good. He is ultimately good, but you and I can be good as well. We can do good things. We can bless other people. The Bible describes God as truthful. And he is the ultimate, the final measure of truthfulness. But we can be truthful as well. We can choose whether to lie or whether we tell the truth. So in these things and others, there are ways in which we can be like God. But there are other things about God in which we are utterly unlike him. We're unlike him in that he is infinite. And we're very finite. He can't be measured. We can. We're very different from him because he is the creator. And we're creatures. Now, we can be creative. We create stuff, but it's always kind of after. We, we create stuff out of stuff which has already been created. God alone is uncreated. He alone is the creator. God is eternal. We're not. We're mortal. We're flesh and blood. We're dust. We die. Now, the Christian hope is of eternal life, but that's eternal life which is entirely conditional upon the eternal God. It's not, nothing to do with who we are ourselves. And the eternity which we hope to know is an eternity which begins when we're born and then when we're born again, whereas God's eternity is an eternity which is eternal, which has no beginning, which stretches throughout all time and over time and blows our minds as we try and think about it. It's a completely different degree of eternity. And God is all-knowing. Well, we, each one of us in this room knows some stuff, but the knowledge we have is so small and God knows everything. There are ways in which we are meant to be like God, but there are these ways in which we are utterly unlike him. And in this series, we're going to be focusing on the unlikes. And this is going to help us to see God for who he is. Now, my prayer is this would be fuel for our worship. Tend to, you worship one who you're amazed at. 
And we need to be amazed at God. And as we see how different he is from us, how unlike him we actually are, that's going to be fuel for our worship of him. It's also going to help us to see who we are. And that's good news because that's liberating, to understand who we are as creatures who've been made by this eternal, infinite God. And I'm hoping it will show us how we are called to reflect God, but not to rival God. We get into problems when we get this the wrong way around, when we seek to rival God in the things that we can never be, when we try to be God, when we try to be infinite, when we try to be eternal, when we try to be all-knowing. That's when we get into trouble. And this really is the foundational story of the nature of human experience back in Genesis, Genesis 1.27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the foundational story. This is the story of who we are. What are we like? What are, what are we meant to be? We are made in the image of God. We're made to reflect God. We're in some way meant to make him known because we're to display what he's like that we share in some of these characteristics he has, that we can be truthful, we can be loving, we can be good, we can be just. We are made in his image, and we're then to reflect what he is like. But the story quickly changes when we get to Genesis 3, and the tempter comes to Adam and Eve, and they choose to disobey God and rebel against him, because the tempter says to them, if you disobey God, you will be like God. This is a great lie that the human race was sold. Men and women made in the image of God to reflect God. The lie came, you can be like God, you can rival God if you disobey him. And ever since, human beings have tended to live as those who try to rival God, rather than those who enjoy reflecting God. We push the boundaries all the time of our humanity. We, we reach for what we shouldn't reach for because we're incapable of attaining it, because we're not God, because we're human beings, we're flesh and blood, we're men and women, we're not the infinite God. We push at the boundaries, we push at the boundaries, and that's what gets us into trouble. We forget our measure. We think we're infinite, we think we're all-knowing, we think we're all-powerful. And it's easy to spot this at a at a global level. It's easy to spot it at an international level. You turn on the news and you can see nations or particular individuals who have clearly forgotten what they are, have forgotten their humanity and are acting as if they were God. Rather than seeking to reflect God, it's like they're trying to rival God, living as if they're all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise. Forget who they really are. We can see that at the international level. But also, if we look at our own hearts, we can see that we're often prone to it. We, we imagine that we're lords. We imagine that we're lords. And if we attempt to rival God, we're always going to fall short. And Adam and Eve attempted to rival God. Actually, all it led to them was them realizing that they were exposed and naked. It led to them realizing how weak they were. And if we try and rival God, we will always fall short. God alone is infinite. You can't put a tape measure around God. You can measure everything else. You cannot measure God. The thing is that we humans, we, we can't even mentally, we don't have the processing power to even process and gra grapple with really big, finite things. 
how on earth are we going to get our minds around what is infinite? Let me give you an example. There's apparently 326 million cubic miles of water on planet Earth. 326 million cubic miles of water. Uh, that's a number I can't get my head around. I kind of think of a satellite picture of the Earth and the oceans, but I, I can't really imagine, I can't really concretely visualize what does, what does 326 million cubic miles look like? What does that mean? It's such a vast number, and, and our Earth is, is just one small speck of dust in a huge galaxy, which is just one galaxy in a huge universe. What does, 300, what does 326 million cubic miles of water mean? And the Earth itself is 260 billion cubic miles. That's, just, that's a finite number. It's a finite number on a small planet in one galaxy in a massive universe. And just that number is too big for me to get my head around it. Immediately begins to blow my fuses when I try and think about it. We, we need illustrations to help us. This is an illustration. If this is the Earth, a basketball, this is all the water that covers the Earth. That's amazing. All the water that covers the Earth, it's just spreading a thin layer over the Earth. And if the Earth was a basketball, all the water in the Earth would fill a table tennis ball. Now, I can start to get my head around that because I can feel, I can grasp, I can visualize, this is a basketball, this is a table tennis ball, suddenly that starts to make sense. Okay, three, 326 million cubic miles of water, okay, that's there. Two, uh, 260 billion cubic miles of Earth, that's there. Okay, that begins to make sense. I can get my head around that. But I can't get it, my head around the reality. And that's just one measure of a small planet in one galaxy of an unbelievably massive universe. We need illustrations like that to grasp the enormity of what we're describing. And then try thinking about the infinite. Try thinking about time which never began and will never end. Try thinking about a universe in which there are no boundaries, in which you can never possibly come to the edge. Try and imagine those things and our minds just kind of trip over themselves very, very quickly because we just cannot grapple with them because we are so finite. But God is infinite. God cannot be measured. And so we need to celebrate the limitlessness of God. And we need to know and also celebrate our limits. And as human beings, we don't like that. We always want to push against our limits. We want to push against our finiteness. We always want to rival God rather than reflect him. But when we do that, we get into trouble. We need to recognize God is infinite and ourselves is finite and see why that's good news. Let's turn back to Isaiah and read these verses again. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? Who has? God has. 326 million cubic miles of water. God has measured it. I can hold a table tennis ball in my hands. God can hold the actual waters of the world in his hand and measure them. That's how different he is from you and from me. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands, or with the breadth of his hands marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket, 
They are regarded as dust on the scale. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know... Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You know, we're not like God. He is infinite. We have a very limited view of the world. We have very limited power. But God is infinite. To God, the nations of the world are like dust, and the presidents and prime ministers of the world are like chaff. One breath from his lips, and they're blown away. You know, I can change light bulbs, but God calls out the starry host. I'm nothing like God. Neither are you. He is infinite. Now, when we see this, there's a great freedom, a liberty that will come to us. It, it takes the pressure off our human shoulders. You know, the reason that I can't do everything, the reason I can't do all the things I'd like to do, all the things that I feel I should do, all the things that fill my to-do list, and all the things that I think I'll never get to that, and all the people I haven't served as well as I should, and all the failures I... No, the reason I can't do everything is because I'm not God. I'm finite. He alone is infinite. In our prayer meeting on Friday, one of the themes that came through as we were seeking God together was about our human busyness and how we needed this year to experience the peace of God. And you know, the thing is that you, you're going to find it hard to know peace if you're trying to be infinite. It's hard to know peace if you're trying to be God. And when we charge around thinking that we ought to be infinite, ought to be able to do everything, that's when we're not reflecting God, that's when we're arriving in God. That's when we're not recognizing who we are as 
creatures. We're behaving like those who've made it all and can keep the whole thing spinning, and we can't. He alone is infinite. We're finite. And it might be this morning as we start this year that some of us actually need to repent of trying to be God. You might be trying to be God in your life and all the things you're trying to do and all you're grasping for. You might need to repent of that. You know, the reality is that even the most powerful human being is very finite. It's true politically. It's also true just in terms of physical strength. I drove up here this morning in my Fiat Panda. It's a very small car. People often laugh at me when they see my my Fiat Panda. It's about one of the smallest cars you can get. It weighs about 1,000 kilos, about a tonne. About half or less of what other more regular-sized cars might weigh. Eddie Hall is the strongest man in the world. He can lift 500 kilograms off the floor and hold it. But that's only half the weight of my tiny Fiat Panda. Eddie Hall actually is punily weak on the grand scale of things. He can't even lift up a Fiat Panda about the smallest car you can get. How weak is Eddie Hall? We humans are so finite. So finite. Might be that you've made some New Year's resolutions kind of hope you haven't, because normally they're a waste of time. <laughs> tend to get broken. But one thing we should resolve this year, as we start this year, is in 2018, let's celebrate the infinite. Let's celebrate the one who has no limits. Let's celebrate the one who is without measure, who cannot be measured, but who measures all things. And let's, with gratitude, recognize and receive our limitations. Let's recognize our finiteness, our creatureliness, and see, actually, this is good news it takes the pressure off our shoulders. We shouldn't be God. We can't be God, so don't try to be God. Look at what the passage goes on to say, verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? Why do you complain, Christian? Why do you say, Gateway Church? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. You know, it's true. You tend to have more energy when you're youthful. My 18-year-old was out dancing until half past three this morning and was still up at eight o'clock in order to get to the work, be part of the worship team at 5.02. don't think I could do that. Youth has more energy, but even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hallelujah. What this scripture shows us, it shows us the immeasurable infinity of God, but it also shows us that God does not mock us from his position of infinite strength. In human experience, if you're particularly strong at something, that often leads to mockery of those who are weaker. Those who are strong tend to look down upon the weak. But God doesn't mock us in our tiny, finite strength from his position of immeasurable, infinite strength. No, instead he chooses to strengthen us. He carries us. Verse before, he started verse, verse 11 of Isaiah 40, says this, he tends his flock 
like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is what God is like. This is what the immeasurable, infinite God is like. He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who carries us. If you want to find strength for 2018, if you know that you're finite, if you know your limits, if you know that you're weak, and you want to find strength, well, you find that by finding hope in the infinite God. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hallelujah. 2018, let's renew our strength by hoping in the Lord. And the reason that we can have this hope, this isn't just some ancient poem written by some prophet in Israel thousands of years ago. No, this is grounded now for us in the person of Jesus Christ. The reason that we can have this hope in an infinite God, strengthening weak people like us, is because of what God himself did. Because Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, God himself, came to earth and took on human flesh. It's a story of Christmas. It's a story of the incarnation that God himself took on humanity. God himself has experienced human limits. The infinite God experienced what it was to live a finite life. The God who measures the waters of the earth in the palm of his hands became a carpenter. He wasn't even as strong as Eddie Hall. The infinite God experienced human limits. The infinite was contained somehow within the finite. As it says in Hebrews 5, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We come to this infinite, powerful, immeasurable God, the one who brings the stars out. And we come to one who knows what human weakness and limitation is, and he promises us that he will strengthen us, that we will soar on wings like eagles, that we will run and not grow weary, we will walk and not be faint. This year, 2018, let's run to the infinite God. Amen. 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 Would you stand? I'd like us to pray together. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say a, a phrase at a time, and I'd like you to repeat it after me in a prayer of confession and a prayer of supplication to our mighty God as we start this year. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we stand in awe of your infinite power. Forgive us for when we have tried to rival you. Forgive us for when we have thought we are gods. We are grateful for how you have made us. Help us to reflect you as you intended. Help us to make you known. Today we choose to hope in you. Help us find our strength in you. Strengthen us from your infinite strength. And may we know your peace. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him, the infinite God.
really made me want to worship God. I just want to praise him for who he is and what he's done for us and how immeasurable he is. 